0: Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today we present the first of a two-part series where Dr. Forrest asks us, Who's afraid of the Holy Ghost? Well, let's do our confession as a church. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. So who's afraid of the Holy Ghost? Pretty cool picture, right? You got the Father, and you got the Son, Jesus O'Shaughnessy, you know. He looks Irish or Scottish, and then you got Boo, the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. I put that out on Facebook, and uh, I wonder if people will ever come to my church again. But you know what? God's got a sense of humor and so do I. So who's afraid of the Holy Ghost? I preached this last year and I I just really felt compelled to preach it again this year because we got new people in the church and also because I really felt like it needed to get out there in the airwaves on the podcast. So sadly, in the body of Christ today, there are many people born again, Bible believing people, even pastors and leaders who are afraid of what they do not understand. They're afraid of the Holy Ghost. They either deny the baptism of the Holy Ghost and believe such things uh, have been done away with, or they say they believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Spirit. They put it on their website, but you rarely see it manifest in their Sunday morning or any service for that matter. Amen. So many pastors do this because they believe if you let boo out of the bag, that'll run people off from the church. They're afraid that the manifestation of the Holy Ghost and gifts of the Spirit loosed and manifested in a regular service will scare more people off than it will attract. And we're going to talk some more about that later because I do not believe that is the case. But it is a fear that's overtaken a lot of the churches in America. Amen. So-called spirit-filled churches. Amen. So I'm going to give you this morning four reasons why you shouldn't be afraid of the Holy Ghost this morning. I'm sure we could come up with more, but I think these four are good for starters. Number one, the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues is the promise of the Father. It was prophesied in the Old Testament and it was delivered in the New. Number two, Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. And He won't give you something you don't need, and He won't give you something that will harm you in any way. Number three, everywhere in Scripture where people got baptized or filled with the Holy Ghost, they spoke with other tongues. Just deal with it. Number four, preaching the baptism of the Holy Ghost and embracing the gifts of the Spirit is the best way to grow a church of vibrant, Spirit-filled effective believers. Amen. As I said, we'll talk about that more later. So let's start with number one, the baptism of the Holy ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues is the promise of the father. It was prophesied in the old Testament and it was delivered in the new. Amen. Luke chapter 24, 49. This is Jesus speaking. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Amen. That word, they're endued, means to slip into a set of clothes that were specifically designed for you, to slip into the power that He has for you in the form of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And behold, I want to read it again. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. That word their power, is the word dunamis. It means explosive, miracle-working power. God has explosive, miracle-working power for every born-again believer. All they have to do is say, yes, I receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Acts chapter one, verse four. And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father. There it is again, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 33. This is the day of Pentecost. Peter is preaching. He's trying to tell the people what exactly was happening on that wonderful day. And he says, therefore, Jesus, being by the right hand of God, exalted and having received of the father, the promise of the Holy Ghost. There it is again. He hath shed forth this which you now see and hear. Peter, when he was preaching, basically said, everything you're seeing and hearing right now was promised by the Father God. And now here it is. It's been delivered. It was promised by the prophets. And now God gave it to Jesus sitting on the right hand of God. And he sent the Holy Ghost to the earth in the ministry of power. Amen. Glory to God. It was even prophesied, as we said, that this move of God was coming. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11 and 12. Isaiah says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Amen. In this prophecy, Isaiah says there's coming a time when God is going to pour out His Spirit and people will begin to speak with other tongues and they'll be blessed and they'll get rest and refreshing when they do. Their bodies, their souls, and their spirit will be edified. But even so, there will be some who miss it and don't understand and don't receive the promise. Yet some will not hear. 1 Corinthians 14, 21 Paul is quoting Isaiah and he says in the law it is written with men of other tongues and other lips Will I speak unto this people? And yet for all that will they not hear me saith the Lord In other words, there's going to be a great outpouring and there's going to be this thing called other tongues And it's going to be misunderstood and some people are not going to receive it It was true in the day of Pentecost And it is true today. Amen. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so is the spirit of the Pharisees. (laughs) Amen. So it was promised in the old covenant by God himself. And it was delivered in the new on the day of Pentecost. And thank God for that. Amen. I don't know what I'd do without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I don't know what I would do if I couldn't pray in tongues. Because when there's a lot of things going on in my life, it's just like Romans eight twenty six says, for when you don't know how to pray, that's my paraphrase, then you lean on the Holy Ghost and let him pray through you. Right. We've all experienced those times in our life where so many things were going on in our life and it was like a swirl around your head. And even if you did have the unction to pray, you don't even know where to start. That's when you need to yield to the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the gift of tongues. Oh, Lord, I grieve that so many people stiff arm the Holy Ghost and stiff arm this gift because God designed it for them. Amen. Hallelujah. So number two, Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. He won't give you something you don't need, and he won't give you something that will harm you in any way. Now, I've been praying for people to be baptized with the Holy Ghost for over 30 years. Scores, maybe even hundreds of people I've prayed and they've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. But through those 30 years, I've encountered several people who say to me, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I'm afraid if hands are laid on me, I'm going to get something that's not from God. I'm going to get some kind of demonic spirit. And telling you, it is a common fear out there because tongues is is kind of strange. It's kind of different. People, you know, who don't know any better associate it with darkness. OK, now, I, let me just testify. I've heard people say tongues is of the devil. You know, you've heard that before, right? It's bad enough to say tongues passed away, but to take it another step and say it's of the devil. I'm telling you what that's of the devil saying that tongues is of the devil, is of the devil. All I know is when I was going through my partying phase and going from party to party and hanging out with the sinners, I never heard single one of them praying in the Holy Ghost. Take a hit on this joint, Brother Scott, and pray in the Holy Ghost with me. Take another sip of that Mad Dog 2020 and let's pray in the Holy Ghost. I never, ever experienced that. Now, I heard that some of the Rastafarians down in the Caribbean smoke weed and talk in tongues. But I can tell you it's not the tongues of the Holy Spirit, okay? So they might be the only ones on planet Earth that I know of that have a counterfeit tongue. Now, there was, oh, Lord, help me. There was this lady that I prayed for in Corpus Christi years ago. And back then, I didn't have the wisdom that I have now. Now I make sure you're born again before I pray for you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I remember this young lady came to one of our Bible studies on the base at the Naval Air Station, Corpus Christi. We had about 15 people that night. I was preaching on the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and I gave an invitation for anyone who wanted to receive. I prayed for several people, and they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then I prayed for this one young lady. And I laid my hands on her head and I said, be filled with the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. And she started doing this guttural thing, you know, I thought she was choking. And I was like, whoa, that doesn't sound right. That does not sound right. That does not sound good. Well, I finally I stopped her. I said, wait, 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 stop, stop. Where do you go to church? So this young lady said to me, I go to the first church of the shining angel. I was like, okay. I think I know what's going on here. I said, Will you repeat this after me? She said, What? Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. She said, I can't repeat that. I said, Why not? She said, Because I don't believe it. God raised Jesus from the dead. I can't say that either. Why? Because I don't believe it. And I said, I can't pray for you to be filled with the Holy Ghost because you're not born again. And God will not fill an unclean vessel. So, lesson learned from that point on, I don't care. If I was praying for the holiest saint in the best church in town, I always make sure they're born again first. Amen. Hallelujah. But there are some people who believe they're going to get some kind of Holy Ghost, you know. No, God's not going to give you something that you didn't bargain for. He's not going to give you an evil spirit if you're asking for the Holy Spirit of God. What a bunch of nonsense. John chapter 1 verse 32 to 34. And John bare record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him. That is Jesus. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water. The same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the spirit descending and remaining on him. The same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the son of God. So I think the scripture's pretty plain. The son of God, Jesus Christ, the righteous is the one who baptizes people in the Holy Ghost. So if Jesus has something he wants to give you, why would you not receive the gift of God from Jesus Christ himself? Amen. And I know that people get nervous when I say this, but listen, if you stiff arm the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues, you are stiff arming Jesus Christ himself because this is a gift that he has for you. I hope that doesn't sound too militant, but it is the truth. It is the word of God. Hallelujah. I saw a man on Sid Roth who was sharing how he died on the operating table during a routine dental surgery. He had an out-of-body experience, and the Lord appeared to him in the operating room. And he talked to him about his divine destiny, the call of God on his life, and how he could fulfill it. And he said one of the best tools that you can use to fulfill the divine call of God in your life is to pray in tongues. This is Jesus himself saying, I want you to pray in tongues. And when you do, you can pray out your divine destiny by praying in the Holy Ghost. Proverbs 20, verse five. You guys hear me quote it all the time. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. Some translations say. Plans and purposes in the heart of man are like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. There's a plan and a purpose on the inside of you, and one of the ways you can draw it out is by praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, amen. I was so delighted to hear Jesus say that because I've been preaching that for decades. I was like, preach on, Jesus. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. Luke eleven nine through 13. This is Jesus. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Amen. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? or if he shall ask an egg will he offer him a scorpion if ye then being evil or mere fallen men know how to give good gifts unto your children how much more shall your heavenly father give the holy spirit to them that ask him so if ye ask god for the gift of the holy ghost He's not going to give you something else. He's not going to give you a counterfeit. The devil's not going to use the opportunity to slip in a demonic spirit. It's just not going to happen. Just one chapter earlier in Luke chapter 10, Jesus is talking about serpents and scorpions. In verse 18, he says, Behold, I saw Satan like lightning fall from heaven. He said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents. And scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen. So, in this verse, Jesus is using serpents and scorpions as metaphors for demonic spirits that you have complete authority over in Jesus' name. So, with that in mind, let's reread Luke chapter 11, verse 11 through 13. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a devil? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a demon? If ye then, being evil or fallen men, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Amen. Hallelujah. Case closed. You don't need to be afraid. Hallelujah. Number three, everywhere in Scripture where the people got baptized or filled with the Holy Ghost, they spoke with other tongues. As I said, deal with it. It's a Bible thing. Amen. So you've heard me talk about this before, so we'll go real quickly on this. Acts chapter 2, just going down to verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then when Peter was preaching to the household of Cornelius, Acts chapter 10, verse, let's start it at 45. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. In Acts 19, 6, Paul found 12 believers on the coast of Ephesus. And it says, And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Amen. That's what happened here this morning. Amen. That's the way church is supposed to be. People talking in tongues and people prophesying. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Number four. And this is going to be the first part of a two-part session which we will continue next Sunday on the Holy Ghost church growth model. It begins with number four. Preaching the baptism of the Holy Ghost and embracing the gifts of the Spirit is the best way to grow a church of vibrant, Spirit-filled, effective believers. Notice I said effective believers. You can grow a large church by avoiding controversy, putting a clamp on the Holy Ghost, putting tongues in the closet and you can raise up a large church of totally ineffective believers because you haven't taught them who they are in Christ, what their authority is in Jesus name. And you haven't taught them how to pray in the Holy Ghost. They will have limited impact on the kingdom of darkness, limited impact on those around them. Amen. Glory to God. So which would you rather have, a church of a thousand who don't know anything and aren't really able to do anything for God, or a church of a hundred that are baptizing the Holy Ghost in fire, prophesying, talking in tongues, moving in signs, wonders and miracles, praying for the sick and seeing them healed, raising the dead, casting out devils, cleansing lepers? Which church do you want to be in? Now, I'm not saying that churches who loose the Holy Ghost and preach the word are destined to stay small churches because my whole point is the real church model is letting the spirit move, preaching the word strong, and when you do that, you're going to have a growing, thriving church. Making converts and then discipling them and teaching them all the things the Lord has taught you. That's the key to church growth. But there is there is, a segment of the body of Christ who are convinced that the church growth model is to sideline the Holy Ghost. You know, if you want to pray for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, do it in a back room somewhere. Because some people are offended when they hear tongues. Some people get weirded out. Well, maybe you need to be offended and weirded out. You know? The Bible says tongues is a sign to the unbeliever. Amen? Glory to God. I felt like going, poo. <laughs> So, praise the Lord. I was rambling, but it was good. Amen. Let's talk about the Holy Ghost church growth model. Acts chapter 2. We're going to cover a lot of scriptures, so just hang with me. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia in Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia in Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others, mocking, said, These men are full of new wine. So on the day of Pentecost, get this, the power of God and spiritual gifts began to manifest on a massive scale. 120 believers get filled with the Holy Ghost. You have the sound of a rushing mighty wind. You've got tongues of fire that people can see and people by the hundreds speaking with other tongues. Amen. And it created such a raucous that a large crowd gathered to find out what was going on. Verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Amen. These men are not drunk as you suppose. They're just filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's only nine o'clock in the morning, he said. People don't get drunk at nine o'clock in the morning. Well, some people do, but not. Not everybody. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Amen. Let's go on down to verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ultimately, the outpouring of power is to bring people into the kingdom, to get people saved. Amen. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him, listen to this, he confronted them, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Amen. Down to verse 32. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. Now, I know we're going through a lot of scripture, but I'm going somewhere here. Here we see that Peter preached with such boldness, such anointing, that he actually confronted the very people that called for Jesus to be crucified and brought them into the kingdom, we're going to find out later. By the power of the Spirit, he was able to convict them of their sins and bring them to the realization that they were lost and they needed a Savior. Amen. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, this is what you do. Repent. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. There is no statute of limitation on the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Notice Peter wasn't afraid to preach salvation. Then water baptism and right on into the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 40, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day 3,000 people were chased away from the church. (laughs) Because they were afraid of the Holy Ghost. Does it say that? No. Let me read it again. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That's what you call a successful sermon. Amen. You preach the word, and 3,000 people get saved. And the church goes from 120 believers to 3,120 believers in one moment. Amen. Glory to God. Verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, And in breaking of bread and in prayers. These people not only got saved, but those that were learned in the ways of God began to disciple them in the doctrine of Christ, and they spent time hanging out with people who were more learned and more spiritually aware and mature than they were. Amen? You can't just get people saved and just leave them out there to go through life on their own. They need to be discipled, they need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, taught who they are in Christ. Their authority in Christ, they need to be taught a lot of things so they can grow into the man or woman God has called them to be. And this is what was going on here. Verse 43, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Why were signs and wonders being worked by the apostles? To confirm to the new believers the accuracy of the word that they preached. Amen. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Now listen, I do not believe this is a Bible argument for communism. Hear me out. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Amen. When revival breaks out, when you let the Holy Ghost loose, when you preach the word of God with boldness, the church becomes a place of provision, a place where everyone gives willingly to the work of the Lord. And everyone who has needs has those needs met. Now, I'm not here to say that we're there yet, but we're going to get there. This church is going to be a place where the word is preached, where the spirit is free to flow and where people's financial needs are met. Amen. I believe it's the Bible pattern for Holy Ghost church growth. Glory to God. So we can see a pattern emerging here. The power of God was on display. People were filled with the Holy Ghost and worship God in other tongues there was spirit-filled, bold preaching of the word of God, and signs and wonders were performed to confirm the word that was preached. Finally, as a result, the church grew rapidly and became a place of supernatural provision, i.e., those that had legitimate needs did not go without. Amen. Sounds to me like the Holy Ghost has a pretty good model for church growth. I'm here to tell you, as long as I'm pastor of Faith Life Fellowship, This is the model we're going to follow. We're going to let the Holy Ghost flow as he wills. We're going to preach the word with boldness, even if it makes some people uncomfortable. We're going to confront sin. We're going to confront people who have not stepped up to the plate and started walking down the destiny that God has for them. But we're also going to be supernatural givers. And this is going to be a place of provision, not only for the people in this church, but those out there that have needs. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed part one of today's message titled, Who's Afraid of the Holy Ghost? If you'd like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Wilmington.